to have you. Welcome. Bill Michaels Show. Back at it. Enjoying, uh, enjoying this Thursday. Enjoying this Thursday. And it is, uh, it started out today. It was a, boy, uh, again, another Another gray, gloomy, foggy. This is like almost, uh, if you had like a horror movie and you had to shoot it in the wintertime, there is no better place than Wisconsin right now to shoot a horror, horror movie because every night I go to bed, it's like you can't even see across the street. The, the, you know, the fog is so thick. And tonight we're getting rain again, and it's supposed to be really foggy again tonight. But last night was really like creepy fog. Like yesterday... Uh, I was sitting on a couch uh, out by the front window. I was watching some TV, and the cars were going by, and all you could see was the glow of the headlights and the taillights. That was it. It was that thick. You couldn't see the street. You couldn't see the cars. You really couldn't. It, it was You could see like a silhouette. It was, it was freaky outside last night. It was really, really foggy. So uh, if you... Uh, if you're feeling a little bit down, you're emotionally down, well, it's probably part of the reason why. Because it's been gray and we haven't really seen the sun in quite some time. So eventually we will, but uh, it is it is warm. I'll take that because the snow is melting like crazy. And I'm going to have a chance to grill out tonight, so I'm excited about that. I know we're going to get to John Horst, Andy Herman coming up. Yes. A little breaking news. You mentioned the Panthers job opening. They hired yep. uh, Dave Canales, who's the offensive coordinator with Tampa. So there you go. Same division and Tampa's offense. Look, I mean, look at what they did to, to Joe Barry and the Packers a couple weeks ago. Yep. So one more job off the board. So that leaves you what Atlanta and Seattle. <laughs> Atlanta. Let me sit, Let me think. Atlanta, Seattle. That's uh, it. Yeah. Let me double check. I think so. Yeah. Because Carolina was just filled. Washington's been filled. Oh, well, Washington's the other one. Were they were There's, they filled? What was. Oh, no. Tennessee was filled by Callahan. So you got Washington. I think Washington is the only other job. So there's three. So there's three jobs that are that are currently uh, currently open. And yeah, the Washington Commanders are still looking for a head coach. Why they don't give that to Eric Bieniemy, I have no idea. I mean, that's that's what I would do. But because Eric Bieniemy for a long time has been the guy that's been talked about about getting a head coaching job for whatever reason he hasn't. Now for a while it was because he was going to Super Bowls with Andy Reid. But he, I, I don't understand why he has not really received a lot of hardcore interest. Maybe there's a reason for that. Maybe he just didn't, doesn't interview well or something. But Eric Bieniemy is the offensive coordinator there. I just assumed he would have kind of ascended into the head coaching role. But who knows? But so it's Washington, Seattle, and Atlanta. And that's it. That's it. That's interesting. That's all that's left out there. All right, let's do this. Uh, we'll, we'll switch gears a little bit. Uh, John Horst, uh, the general manager of your Milwaukee Bucks, yesterday sat down and uh, explained just exactly what the hell is going on. And here's John Horst, the GM of the Milwaukee Bucks. Hey, everybody. Thanks for being here. Um, I want to address the dismissal of, of Adrian uh, yesterday, and I appreciate the patience of everyone kind of waiting today to, to do so. This was obviously a difficult decision. Um, Adrian is a great person, brought a lot to the franchise. We're thankful for that, and I'm thankful for the time that we had with him. 
but we also believe that we had an opportunity now uh, with a special group, the talent on this team, uh, the dynamic of the team has changed. The team itself had changed from when we hired him, and we felt like we had an opportunity to improve and to get better. And we wanted to take advantage of that opportunity. Uh, I also would say that uh, we believe that this is a good team right now. And with improvements, we have a chance to be great. We're looking for a way to really make this a great team. That's on me. That's on the players. That's on coaching. And we're going to continue to pursue that effort as well. In the interim, Joe Prunty is going to uh, be the head coach through the transition. And we'll uh, kind of continue to move from there. Uh, I'll take questions here, but before doing so, just want to uh, say I hope you understand we're not going to talk about Doc tonight. That's not part of this. Uh, there will be at some point hopefully a time where we can do that, but this is a chance for us to kind of dive into the uh, Adrian Griffin piece if you guys want to. I'll open it up. Um, I know you just mentioned dynamic of the team change and whatnot, but why, I guess why, John, specifically did ownership yourself, Peter, decide that uh, it was time to fire Adrian? Like why? Why was that decision made? Yeah, it's part. It's part of my job. It's our job to constantly evaluate and to learn and listen and, and just continue to figure out how to improve this team. And for us, we felt like this was the right time, the right decision to make, and that we had an opportunity to improve the group. And you know, there isn't a specific instance. There isn't a specific timing to it. It's just this and going through it and evaluating, looking. This the dynamics different. Giannis extended. Chris committed. Brooke committed. We were able to acquire Dame. These are hard windows to come by. These are special opportunities. We think we have a special group. We believe in this team at a high level and ownership and myself and Peter. We've continued to be bold and to be aggressive in trying to figure out how to maximize these chances that we have, and that's what we're doing here. Um, obviously, you couldn't hire a coach on the eve of training camp like when Dame was hired, but you mentioned the free agent signings. Um, I mean, when you hired Adrian, you talked about the process and how much you felt that was that was good to go through. In retrospect, was there a misjudgment there on on that process or in that process and well, maybe should have been after free agency or some other roster decisions had been made? Yeah, someone really wise once said looking back is ego, so I'm going to stay in the present and uh, not look back. There's no regrets. I, I believe in the hire that we made. I believe in the reasons we did it, the process that we went through. And again, Adrian has contributed to this group. Part of why we are where we are today, who we are, is because of him. This was an opportunity about going forward. And so, yeah, no regrets for me, no looking back. Believe in what we did, why we did it, when we did it, and believe in where we're at today as well. Uh, you mentioned the chance to go from good to great. Where do you see those opportunities? How do you get from, from that place to the other? Yeah, I think for me and my staff, we constantly are turning that over. We're looking for ways to improve the roster. That's not to say we don't believe in this group as constructed. I think this group as constructed has upside. I think we have yet to maximize what we can become. Some of that's timing, integrating a new star, integrating new pieces, a new system. Uh, Chris coming back, playing a real role, real minutes compared to what he had done in the, in the last year or so. And so I think there's upside in the roster, at, roster as constructed. I know that we're going to do our job to figure out if we can improve the roster. And then as part of this and why we're sitting here today, I think there's a coaching element where we have a chance to get better as well. Uh, defensively, you guys have taken a, a bit of a step back this year. How much did that play into the decision? And where do you see that those same opportunities for growth with the defense? I, I would say in assessing the team so far, we have, we have a really – good record, and that matters, and, and, and we've had that in the past. We have an elite offense, and I believe we not only have an elite offense in terms of rating on a total game, but we have a starting five that's elite offensively, is very good defensively. We're great in late game situations. We have uh, ISO scores. We have pick and roll scores. We have a lot of dynamic, um, 
I would say, flexible things that we can do offensively. Defensively, we have a talent group, I think, that can be better than what they've been so far. Is that a top five defense, a top 10, a top 15? I don't know. And, and that's what we're trying to decide here with the roster as constructed. We're trying to understand where we can take it, having the players be better. The players have an accountability to do this, to be better. Uh, and, and then the coaching element. And so I know that we're going to be really good offensively, and we've got to figure out how to improve defensively consistently. We've had points throughout the season where we've been very good defensively. We've had points we've been very, where we've really struggled. And so trying to find a consistency and an identity on that side is part of this. When you hired him, I know y'all were saying during the introductory press conference that Adrian was kind of a head coach just waiting for the opportunity. They had all the you know, elements. Looking at it now, how much of a factor was his lack of head coaching experience, do you think, in terms of making the decision that you made today, yesterday? Yes, yeah, Steve. I, it was a tough job and a great opportunity. Both things are true when we hired Griff. The dynamics and the things that changed after that, I think, created even more of an urgency and even more so. These are special opportunities. The talent became even more special. The commitment to the team even more significant. And I think that increased the urgency. And so I don't, I don't – it's not because I'm afraid to be wrong. I've been wrong many of times. I believe Griff still is a head coach. Guys, 30 and 13. This makes this a tough decision. This is an ass assessment and evaluation for myself, Peter, and our ownership group, and how do we give this team the best resources to maximize this window and it's way more about that and way less about what Griff did or didn't do. Jamal? Uh, I know you don't. You mentioned you can't talk about sort of the, the next coach, but just considering the time before the playoffs and such, do you, I mean, obviously you made the move today, but, like, what gets you confidence that there is enough time? What kind of conversation you have with kind of the next coach about having enough time to leave an imprint on this team come playoff time and still make a run at a, a championship this season? Generally speaking, NBA players, the NBA system to me is incredible, like how, how they can transition, adapt, and adjust on the fly. You think of players that get traded, changes that happen in season all the time. And so although it's a condensed period of time calendar-wise, I think in the world of the NBA and what in particular our really smart, professional, mature players can do, a great coaching staff around them, uh, I believe that there is enough time uh, for them to find an identity, find a rhythm together, and continue to grow. So it's, it, it may feel shortened, but the things that happen in the NBA happen quick all the time, and transition happens all the time. And I think we'll be well adapted to it. Hey, John. Uh, we heard Giannis uh, make some pretty sharp comments saying, you know, we need to be coached better. To what extent did the players' um, comments or kind of their uh, input play into this decision? In fairness, he didn't just say we need to be coached better. So he talked about himself being better as teammates. I think the equipment manager, the trainer, me, whoever, he kind of went through the whole list. Um, I, this is not about players' comments. This is not about things said or unsaid. This is, again, this is my job. This is the organization's job at the top to evaluate every single day all areas of the organization and feel like whether we're getting or not getting the most that we can out of that group. And we feel like we could maximize the talent of this group better if we made a change. That's why we made it. John, can you at least say what you are looking for in a new head coach that you did not have with Adrian Griffin? Yeah, no, no surprise. We're trying to we're trying to find, and and you said we didn't have an Adrian Griffin. I'm not going to comment. That. What we're looking for now is a path to go forward to maximize this group from a leadership perspective and experience perspective. Um, we want to try to bring in uh, a coach that can really take us to the next level where we think we can go with this group. And, and again, that's not just about coaching. The players have to be better. They have to improve. My group has to continue to figure out how to improve their roster. But we think coaching is an element for us to get better.
Um, you mentioned being unafraid to be wrong, if you will, but I, what was the conversation like for you to go to ownership, to have a third, potentially a third head coach under contract in one, in just a few months, and especially in such a short time after I'm sure having to convince them or have them go through the process of, of hiring Adrian, what, what was that like? And, um, I guess where's that support level or, or, you know, to, to do that, I guess, financially too. Yeah, I, I think it's less about a conversation or conversations. Those are hard decisions. Those are hard discussions when they happen or have to happen. But the last part's where I'll kind of focus, Jim. It's way more about this ownership's group. You know, Jimmy and Diaz on West Edens, Jamie Dine and Peter support my you know, ability to lead and be part of this organization to continue to try to push and, and do everything we can to resource this team. And it's a belief in those guys. It's the guys that are going to go out tonight and they're going to play the Cleveland Cavaliers that have played every single night. We believe in this team at a super high level, and we want to make sure that we're doing everything we can every step of the way. And that changes. It's not the same every day. And you have to have a pulse for that, and you have to explore that, and you have to learn from that. And then if, if needed, you need to make bold decisions. And they've been unafraid and, and have supported us in doing that along the way, and so I'm thankful for that. Uh, back here, John. Uh, kind of what was some of your conversations with the players once you made a decision? I, I'm assuming uh, – Forgive me for assuming that maybe you met with the team in that sense, and then do you have a timetable on on when you want to have that next head coach here with the with the team? Yeah, uh, good questions. The it's fast, like the pace of these things are fast, and so you do the best you can to communicate to folks real time so they can hear it from you, whether it's text messages, phone calls, maybe you see them in person. So that's a little bit scattered. I had an opportunity today, which was intentional, to get with the guys um, as a group before shoot around, and it's just it's. Point blank, you just share the facts, share the status of where we're at, why we did what we did, how we support them, what our process looks like going forward. And it, those were great conversations. It was a great opportunity to do it. I hope they appreciated it. I think it's the right thing to do. And timing-wise going forward, you know, I think we'll be as, as urgent and as quick as we can to try to uh, transition. Joe, Joe is in place. Joe's a pro. He's, he's done this before. We have total confidence in his ability to help us in this transition. He's also fully aware that he's an interim coach at this point, and we're trying to we're trying to hire a head coach. What over the years kind of gave you the belief that you could act decisively in this moment? You hadn't. You obviously knew you were bringing in a first-time head coach. You knew that there could be ups and downs. There could be growing pains but you end up coming to, the, to this decision. What kind of gave you the conviction to do so? And did you say what throughout the year? Over the years, I, I guess, just, just to get to this spot, to, to be able to, to work that quickly. Um, I, I, that's a great question. I, I think that's something that's maybe innate and learned over time. And I, I, it's, you, have to, you have to have a great dynamic with the people you work with and for, and you have to have great partnership and you have to have great trust. And so having the right conversations, having the appropriate amount of patience, the appropriate amount of assessment and evaluation, and being able to collectively get together and figure out a path forward. And that's not specific to this. That's whether you're making a big trade, you're making a hiring or a firing. And so I think it's way more about just kind of the dynamic in, in I would say, the culture, to be a little cliche, of our group at the top. We have a great ownership group. Peter and I have a great dynamic. Um, and I think that's really kind of what would speak to it. Let's do here to Lori. Just to clarify a few things, I think you said it, the players' comments had nothing to do with your decision, um, but did you consult any of the players before you made? No. no. 
no. because you did one to the hiring process, but none. Okay, and then it's been widely reported that he didn't have the locker room or he lost the locker room. I wondered if you agreed with that assessment, not just because of what things were revealed publicly, but there were a lot of players who, whether they spoke up at a podium or said, you know, there's no structure, things like that. Do you think Griffin, even in the 118 days, did he have the locker room or did he lose the locker room? Thank you. Yeah, uh, Laura, I'm glad you asked because honestly, kind of going through this in the last however many hours, my biggest frustration with kind of the aftermath is that that's the narrative. It's just, it's that, that's not my opinion. It doesn't mean that I'm right or wrong, but my opinion, my assessment, the ownership's assessment in going through this wasn't an assessment that he lost the locker room, that there was dysfunction, that there was players that were jumping off a ship. Like that, that's just not our assessment. I believe, and I truly mean this, that that's the story. Everyone's trying to look for a bigger story than that we have an opportunity to get better and we want to get better and, and we think that we have a chance to do that. And so they're trying to look at things that in my mind are relatively common throughout the course of an NBA season and most NBA teams and generate stories out of it. And in my opinion, that's just not really the true narrative. Did some of those things exist? Absolutely. Is that uncommon in the NBA? Now it's almost 20 years I've been doing this. It happens all the time. So I'm really frustrated by that. I get it. It's part of the business. Adrian Griffin did a hell of a job. He's an incredible person. I believe he's going to be a very good coach going forward. This was a chance for us to resource our team in a different way after it changed from when we hired him, and that's why we did it. Hey, John, you mentioned that you spoke with the team earlier before shoot-around. <clears throat> Obviously, the first game with the new change, how do you feel like they will respond to that and play tonight? <laughs> I'm not a crystal. I have no idea. I, uh, I think our guys are really focused, and they're really professional, and I think more than anything, they're looking forward to play Cleveland after what happened the last time we played them, and, and I think we'll have a great response. Um, their, their response to what's going on in the moment is appropriate, in my opinion. They're excited about going forward, as they should be. We all are. And I think they're compassionate, and they have real feelings and sincerity toward a coach who gave everything to them and who was a really good person and really helped them be where they are today. And so I think that's the general sentiment of the team in terms of how that manifests itself against Cleveland tonight. I hope with a win. So there you go. That was uh, John Horace meeting with the media yesterday. A lot of tab dancing going on. Uh, and I understand that. But there's two things to understand here. Uh, one is he was not going to rain on the Adrian Griffin parade. He wasn't going to throw dirt on him, okay? Uh, but the, the the two major things they saw was, one, when players say we don't have structure, there's not a lot to this, Um and you start to, you know, now he says, hey, you know, not everybody's on the same page in the locker room, blah, blah, blah. But championship teams usually are. Because whether you go do this or he goes, goes and says that, whatever, but eventually everybody that hits the floor, you're all on the same page. And this team wasn't. Okay? And that was creating frustration. And so, in essence, did he lose the locker room? Not the whole locker room, but maybe some of the key guys. And maybe some of the guys that were key were starting to question him, going, what, what are we doing? What, what's, what's going on here? You know, you don't feel like you're being led. You feel like you're following somebody down a kind of a primrose path. Okay? That was the first thing. And the second thing is, and this is as obvious as the nose in your face, last year, and, and I get that going into that postseason, Giannis was banged up. Um, you know, your head coach loses his brother in a tragic car accident. I, I mean, I, I get all of that. 
But that's not what got that, – that's not what preluded the change. What preluded the change was this team would play lights-out basketball for two quarters. They would be up by 20, 25. You get to the third quarter, you blink your eyes, suddenly they're up by two or down by four. And they're battling, and they're battling, and they're battling, and you get the win. But ultimately, it's like that's, that's, that's not a good win. You, you don't know how to close out games. You're not playing defense. You're not figuring it out. You're not taking that next step. And then you see it again this season. Yeah, they got 30-plus wins. That's great. But you and I both know, you and I both know that it, it, it's, it's, a, it's a facade. Indiana handed them their lunch. They didn't match up well, and they didn't have adjustments. And there's no way in hell they're going to consistently beat the, the, the Boston Celtics in a seven-game series. You and I both know it. Right? Not going to happen. So what are you doing this for? That's why you have to make a change, because you have to get better. You have to be better. The regular season now for the Milwaukee Bucks is merely a, a springboard to the postseason in the Giannis era. And you have to be better going into the postseason. You have to be able to put your foot on the throat of an opponent and close them out and whoop their ass, demoralize that team. This team doesn't have that in them. This team doesn't have that dog in them. This team doesn't have that fight in them. And they certainly don't have the defense in them. We, we all know it's a terrible it's a terrible team to face when it comes to playing uh, defense. They don't have it. Maybe they'll get better with more structure, with more enthusiasm, with more energy, whatever you want to call it, but they don't have it. So you had to make a change because you have to get better, and you've got a half a season left to get better. And if you don't, same old, same old. It's going to be the same as last year. And now you're doing it after getting Dame. So how many more superstars do you need to actually have a team that's going to get on the same page and actually hustle and do everything they need to do to play at both ends of the court. That's the reason That's the reason they, they made the change. 877-867-1670. Stick around. we got more of the Bill Michael Show coming up next. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. have you back hey um our friends at quick trip god they got so much good stuff there stopped in there yesterday filled up with gas got the car washed off but the big thing at quick Trip, i mean obviously they have great stuff going on right now you uh got nature's touch milk on sale 2.99 a gallon yesterday you could probably take advantage of the uh the special that they have on the chicken chicken tenders the big giant plump juicy chicken tenders those things are on sale you can uh you know order ahead and when you do so, you can even get uh, some relief at the pump if you use your Quick Rewards card, which is fantastic. But one of the other things that Qu- uh, Quick Trip carries is the uh, well below freezing. It's like 35 below windshield washer fluid. And everybody's looking for that right now. I stopped in there yesterday, and myself and there was three other gentlemen standing in line. We all had the same thing. We all went in and said, oh, boy, glad we got this stuff. So uh, Quick Trip's kind of your one-stop shop for everything. If you need to go in and get yourself... 
some of the uh, the washer fluid, you can get that. If you need to get yourself some bread, some milk, some eggs, and butter, whatever it happens to be, you can get that. You want to go to the beer cave, you can get that. Hot food, you can get that. Take-home meals, you can get that. But it's all a quick trip, and don't forget when you're there, use your quick rewards card. It's kind of, <clears throat> excuse me, it's kind of become a game, too. Uh, now, uh, every time I go there, and, and you, they always say it. What do they say when you leave? See you next time, right? So now I always pay, and they're always so friendly there. It's always great. Uh, but I'm always, uh, when, when I finish up, I swipe my card, and they go, okay, that's it. And, you know, you want a receipt? And I said, no, nope, see you next time. And I try to say it now. It's kind of almost a game. I try to say it now before, before they do, <laughs> just to throw them off a little bit. Uh, but the lady yesterday said to me, she looked at me, and I said it to her first, and she looked at me, and she goes, hey, that's what I say. And it was a, it was a great response. So uh, stop in and check out our friends at Quick Trip, and don't forget, use your Quick Rewards card. Coming up, bottom of the hour here, uh, Andy Herman. Andy Herman of the Packet A Podcast uh, is going to be joining us, and we'll talk with him about the search now for the defensive coordinator position for the Green Bay Packers and who he might think uh, would be a good fit. And then I want to look a little bit deeper because we want to start looking at the personnel uh, and say, okay, who may or may not be with this team? Who, who do you want back that has a possibility of not being back, you know? That's the discussion that's upcoming. So don't go anywhere. I know we went a little bit long with the John Horst stuff, but I wanted to get the whole thing in for you. But I, I really do. Uh, I'm looking forward to this. Uh, Andy Herman of the Packaday Podcast going to join us coming up next on the Bill Mike. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Yeah. Packers. Now you start to look at the offseason. What do you need to do? Who graded out pretty well? Who did not? Who's going to be the next offensive coordinator? All that kind of good stuff. Andy Herman of the Packet Day Podcast. At Andy Herman NFL over on X. You can uh, get his stuff there. Joining us on the hotline. Andy, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing great, Bill. Thanks so much for having me. You bet. Uh, so I, I know the grading uh, report came out, and you guys went through all the snaps and all the players and such. And uh, I guess uh, as we sit here, the big picture synopsis of this team for this season was what? Oh, I mean, it has to start with Jordan Love. I mean, if you go into the season, if, if I had to make a list of like what the most important things were going into 2023, I think the entire list would have existed uh, just basically of what Jordan Love is going to become. And it could have gone in so many different directions. I think the, the the low-hanging fruit was just, hey, could he come in and be a legitimate starting quarterback for this team? Even at, your, what, two and five, three and six marks through the season, you're like, all right, he's clearly an NFL starter, but what's the ceiling? And then for him to just kind of go in warp speed and just all of a sudden go through this incredible learning curve where he goes from a kind of middle-of-the-road quarterback to looking like the sky is the limit, he can be the franchise guy, he can be potentially an elite quarterback in the league. I mean, it answers so many different questions. It sets you up for so much, so much success moving forward. So that, that to me has to be takeaway 1A and just has answered every question in a super resounding way going into next year. So let's talk about some of the guys that you graded. And I, I saw the grade for Rashawn Gary. And early on, his snaps, his quality of pressures to snaps was amazing. But what do you think happened to him towards the end of the season? Yeah, we, I thought the same exact thing. You know, right up until about that three-sack game is when he sort of had his breakout. Is right around the time he got the contract. He was playing fantastic. And I think you go back to earlier in the season, and you're like, 
man, this guy just got back from a torn ACL and he's doing all of this. And obviously his snaps were a little bit limited to start the season, but uh, he was doing all of that coming off the torn ACL. He has that three sack force fumble, fumble recovery game. And then ever since then, it's a half sack since that time. Um, I didn't get to see his total pressures in this game against San Fran, uh, but the prior two games before that, it was three pressures in the past two games. And even you go back to that Dallas game, and I know the score was a little bit weird, but uh, 90 snaps in that game for the defense. He only played 39 of them. The way I viewed it is it looked to me like he just wore down. Like, obviously, he didn't play the entire season last year. He comes back from the torn ACL. I'm sure the wear and tear just like on his body of like going through all the rehab and getting back in shape and ready to play probably was a lot of work in the off season. He comes out and he starts the season right away and plays immediately. And it just looked like he hit a wall right after about that three sack performance midway through the season and just really was not the same. He had a fine game against San Francisco in this final game, but I want to say like six of the last eight games, something like that were a negative grade for him. It wasn't anything crazy, a slight negative, but still nothing like we saw from earlier in the season from Rashawn. Tell me about Devondre Campbell. We know he was nursing that high ankle sprain, and he was just nicked up all season. He tweets out that he's not going to bust his ass to come back anymore. His wife said she can't wait for the season to be over. And then towards the end of the season when they needed him most, he was making a few plays. But give me your thoughts and synopsis of of Devondre Campbell. Yeah, I thought he had an okay game against San Francisco, and they certainly needed him in that game and uh, needed him a little bit down the stretch. But to me, this is, if, if you're looking at a potential salary cap cut going into this offseason, to me, he's the easiest answer to that question. Certainly don't think it's going to be a Kenny Clark or an Aaron Jones. I think Preston Smith played enough for him to come back. Devondre Campbell has a roster bonus. He's got a base salary that you can get out of. Um, you basically save over the next couple of years over $10 million by releasing him this upcoming offseason. You only save a little bit this season unless you do a June 1st salary cap cut. But based on sort of some of the drama, based on his injuries, based on him not being the same player that he was a couple of seasons ago when he won a first team all pro, based on Isaiah McDuffie legitimately taking some of his snaps towards the end of the season and base downs, that seems to be the one that could potentially go where they're like, yeah, we'll, we'll take the, the, a little bit of the salary cap hit now, but save it more long term and try to go in a different direction and maybe pair someone else with Quay Walker moving forward. Sticking with the defense, uh, I want to go back to what was discussed this past offseason. Gutekind's talked about there's talent there, and they've invested a lot of you know draft capital, and they have. And to see a defense ends up about middle of the pack again, numbers-wise, it didn't change a ton. Give me your thoughts defensively. Is the talent there and it wasn't being utilized, or is this a, a team that's laden with a lot of number ones, even though Stokes wasn't there, and I understand all of that, that just it wasn't being coached properly and or it just isn't the level of talent that we thought it was. Yeah, maybe this isn't the most fun answer in the world, but I I do think it's all of the above. I think it's a mix of everything. From a coordinator standpoint, uh, first of all, you can't allow games like that against the New York Giants, the Carolina Panthers, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers towards the end of the season when really you just won three straight games, you were heading in the right direction, and you really had everything in front of you moving forward. And then to really have three just brutal defensive performances in those three games and to the point where Matt basically had to step in and say, now I'm going to have to get a lot more involved defensively. It, it just took a total turn at that point, in my opinion. And I think some of the mistakes that you've been seeing really since year one of Joe Barry are showing up in the NFC, the divisional round game against the 49ers. Some of the miscommunication stuff, players not being on the same page, some of the same tackling issues, some of all of these things that we saw 
from, again, year one of Joe Barry era, we're still seeing at the end of this season. And I think there just hasn't been a consistent improvement. And there's nothing that you can point to for this defense to say, yep, that's the thing they do really well. They clearly wanted this bend but don't break philosophy, but they broke far more often than not. And a lot of those bend but don't break drives took six, seven, eight minutes off the clock and resulted still in touchdowns. I do also think, though, that from a talent standpoint, I don't think the safety group certainly was all that good. Jair did not have a Jair season at all, partially due to injuries, partially due to some other stuff. Eric Stokes has not panned out at all, again, partially due to injury, a lot due to injury maybe. Uh, You have an inside linebacker group where Devondre Campbell has not lived up to his contract. Rashawn Gary, we just talked about, kind of slowed down through the second half of this season. So there's a bit, there's bits and pieces of all of it. It all needs to be better, but there's no doubt about it. It starts with bringing in a new defensive mind and coordinator. Who do you think may or may not be? I, we all hear that Vrabel's not going to be on that list. Could it be Ron Rivera? Yeah. Could it be somebody else? Who do you think is going to be there or maybe the likely candidates may be? Yeah, I think they're going to obviously do a very extensive search. I would not be surprised if they brought in a mix of younger candidates, a mix of experienced candidates. You have a Wink Martindale out there who Matt LaFleur spoke extremely highly of when they matched up earlier this season, a more attacking, blitzing philosophy, has a ton of experience in this league. Then you've got some younger up-and-coming guys. You've got a Chris Hewitt from the Baltimore Ravens, who obviously comes from that staff that, that Ravens defense is just completely tearing through the league right now. Um, watch out for a guy like Christian Parker. He's an ex- extremely inexperienced coach, uh, but he was on the Packers staff with Matt LaFleur uh, just a few years ago. He's an up-and-coming coach, defensive uh, defensive backs coach for the Denver Broncos, and I know he's already started to garner some interest for potential defensive coordinator jobs. I think they're going to do a wide search, and it wouldn't surprise me if uh, really they kind of went in either of those directions, either veteran experience or young up-and-coming. Um, I think it's going to all depend upon who can come in and implement a scheme that has a versatility and the ability to be multiple and really mix and match players to what's going on on the other side of the ball. Just felt like Joe Barry's defense was a bit too stagnant and, and predictable at times. So let's go to the offensive side of the football. We talked about Jordan Love and exceeding expectations. Uh, I thought the straw that stirred the drink once he got healthy was Aaron Jones. I loved what Zach Tom did. There were some questionable spots in the offensive line, but ultimately it solidified once they started kind of putting in the competitive aspect of it and shuffling guys in and out. And the wide receiving core stepped up, and the tight ends are, I mean, this, that's, that's uh, the glass ceiling there. Let's see if they can shatter it. Give me your thoughts offensively speaking. Yeah, I mean, the sky's the limit moving forward, and it's so hard not to be just incredibly excited. I think the thing that you first of all look at moving forward is – We've now seen what this offense can look like with Jordan Love at quarterback, with all these weapons at wide receiver and tight end. Like you mentioned, when Aaron Jones comes back and runs the way that he does, to me, the biggest thing moving forward for this team offensively is keep building that offensive line depth. Because if Jordan Love has time and he's going to continue to have all of these weapons at his disposal, it's going to be a very potent, very powerful offense. The great news is even if something happens where, again, they have to move on from David Bakhtiari or he retires or whatever happens there, if they lose John Runyon Jr. and Yash Nyman in free agency, you still go into next season knowing that you've got, you know, Zach Tom at right tackle, probably Sean Ryan at right guard, Myers at center, Elton Jenkins at left guard, and uh, Rasheed Walker at left tackle. And it's really a starting caliber offensive line ready to go. But you have to continue to cultivate depth and competition. We saw what the competition did for that line during the course of this season. And I do think you want to push guys like Rasheed Walker, Sean Ryan, Josh Myers specifically, and bring in some players that 
can challenge for those spots and hopefully you can even get better because I do think some of the red zone woes really showed up where this offensive line doesn't move people very well and it just makes things a lot more harder and challenging in the in the uh, end zone and red zone area so I do think there's still ways that they can improve but everything else is just so exciting moving forward uh is there anybody in free agency because how, how much money do you think they're gonna have to spend total I, I, from a pure number standpoint, I haven't looked at it closely enough, but just from a round ballpark, like I think they're going to be able to do something, meaning like I think if they wanted to do like one really big name free agent, I think they could. I think it's probably more of like maybe one or two mid-tier free agents and a couple small like Jonathan Owens type of guys, but I do think they're going to be involved in some capacity. Uh, one name that I think really stands out, I know when people look at safety, they're going to start by saying Antoine Winfield. I think that's probably a little bit out of their ballpark, and I'm sure Tampa Bay is going to do everything to retain him. Xavier McKinney from the Giants would make a ton of sense, but Geno Stone from the Ravens, they have two starting safeties already. Stone had to step up and start this year due to some injuries. I don't think Baltimore is going to give him uh, any sort of lucrative contract, and I do think he's going to hit free agency. He's going to be 25 this year. He's already been in the league uh, for a while. He played great as a starter. I think he led the league in interceptions. Um, that's a name out of Iowa, of course, so that just is your natural fit in Green Bay, it seems like. Right. But uh, I think he would make a really great fit at safety for Green Bay. Would he immediately be an upgrade over anyone that they had on the roster this season? Now, the last question is, what the hell are they going to do with kicker? I know they drafted this guy, but I'll tell you this right now. I'd bring in 20 of them and just say you're going to kick until the last man standing. Yeah, I certainly don't think uh, Pavlesny, the guy they signed yesterday, is going to be any sort of legitimate competition, although I did sort of like him as an undrafted free agent last year. But listen, if this is a team that clearly the expectations have changed. And Matt knows it because he said it all throughout his press conference. He knows it because he's already moved on from his defensive coordinator and training staff. And he's trying to do everything to get this team in a winning position. Um, you cannot just go into next year trying to make all of these adjustments and changes. You're going to have five top 100 draft picks. Like I said, you're probably going to have a couple guys you go sign in free agency. You can't make all of those moves and then get into the season and run into the same situation and issue where you've got a 41-yard kick to win some games and your kicker just can't do it. So it needs to be legitimate competition, not just an undrafted guy in his second year out of Georgia. I would love to see maybe a Chase McLaughlin from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, a veteran brought in. Something needs to change where they bring in legitimate competition for Anders this offseason. Good stuff as always, Andy. We uh, will keep reading it. Packet A podcast. You can see it over on YouTube and all that kind of good stuff and read your stuff as well. We'll repost it. I appreciate it, pal. Okay. Thanks, Bill. Appreciate it all season. Thanks, buddy. Talk to you soon. There you go. Andy Herman, Packet A Podcast. You can find his stuff there. And I said this. Now, do I think Mason Crosby was the answer? I, you know, look, who, who knows if he's, if he's still kicking in Green Bay for an entire offseason and yada, yada, yada. But I said this. When you don't have a good kicker in your stable, somebody that's reliable, and you're just, it, it becomes automatic. And so people are like, ah, you don't need to pay that guy. Ah, he can't do this. Ah, he can't. And all of a sudden, you start missing PATs and missing kicks. That's when you realize you, good kickers are hard to find. When you've got one, you hang on to them. You, you do everything you can to work with them and get them through it, and you hang on to them. So now the, the process begins again. Now you've got to find a kicker. Eight seven. Yeah, go ahead, Grant. Well, I was just going to joke. This was not necessary to the show, but just I do have to point out the Packers had an easier job replacing Aaron Rodgers than they did Mason Crosby, right? and I and I just think that's hilarious. That's exactly true. One one million percent true. They uh, they they hit on the quarterback, but uh, when it came to the kicker, boy, not a not an easy way to go. No doubt. 
dynamite drop in for one one grand bills. Hey, uh, we are not that far away from Valentine's Day. You're probably seeing it all over the social media aspects as well. But our friends at Kane and Kane Jewelers, they say, hey, look, if you're looking for an engagement ring, they've got them. If you're looking for a hearts on fire diamond, oh, beautiful. If you're looking for lab grown diamonds, they do that. If you are looking for uh, you know, wedding bands, anniversary bands, pendants, necklaces, earrings, all that kind of stuff, they've got it. All you got to do is check them out. They are, it's worth the drive. They are in West Bend, Wisconsin. Go to Kane, K O E H N, Kane, big, big showroom. Uh, but in standalone building, too. Kane, KaneJewelry.com. That is KaneJewelry.com. And go and say hi to our good friend Andy Kane over there who has had that. That's been a family-owned business for a long time. They've been around a long time. So they must be doing something right, right? Kane and Kane Jewelers, they want to rock your world in West Bend. More of the Ready! This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Hey, if you are in the lacrosse area, and uh, I hope you don't need the service, but if you do, if you do, good to know our friends at Every Plumbing and Heating. They're doing uh, right now faucet repair and replacement, water heater repair and replacement. They can do water softener installations. Uh, The RO, the reverse osmosis systems, uh, so important as well. There's toilet repair and replacement. Uh, They can do kitchen and bathroom remodeling and and all kinds of different stuff. Uh, all new plumbing systems and new homes and light commercial buildings and outside. God knows if you didn't turn off the water, man, during the deep freeze, uh, the outside faucet might have busted open. Septic, uh, septic system, all that stuff. All that stuff at uh, every plumbing and heating. All you got to do is get a hold of them out there in La Crosse. Uh, they are actually technically in Alaska, but uh, Trempolo County, Monroe County, Vernon County, Jackson County, La Crosse, obviously. Uh, in its third generation, but you got to call 608-783-2803. Who do you want to trust when it comes to all the plumbing needs that I just reeled off? Call our friends at Every Plumbing and Heating. They've been doing it a long time, three generations since 1969. 608-783-2803. You know they're going to be around. You know they're going to warranty their work. Again, 608-783-2803. That's Every Plumbing and Heating. Great stuff uh, by Andy Herman. You know, when you talk about, uh, you know, some of the legitimacy of plays and players. And uh, I I think he's dead on when it comes to what is going to happen personnel-wise. I know there was some talk about, are you going to, you know, cut loose some of these contracts? And is it going to be Aaron Jones? And who am I to be? Aaron Jones proved two things. One is Aaron Jones wants to remain a Green Bay Packer. This is where he's played. This is where he wants to be. This is where he wants to stay, first and foremost. Secondly, He's the straw that stirs the drink. As much as we talk about Jordan Love and the quarterback, and rightfully so, when he was on and running well down the stretch, the whole offense flowed, which is why it's so incredibly important to find a backup or another, a two in the one-two punch. And I don't think it's going to be an A.J. Dillon. I think uh, that, that run as the mayor of Door County is going to come to an end. Uh, I think there's Devondre Campbell's contract. I agree with him. If you're going to save $10 million over the next few years and a little bit of money this year, that's probably going to be something they're going to move on from. Did not have the season he wanted. And then, as he said, there were some other issues that went on behind the scene that we don't know what they were, but he certainly made it known. His wife made it known. 
So uh, I I think they're going to move on from Devondre Campbell, but that then leads you to believe, okay, who is next? Who's going to be the next guy? You know, you got to go out and either find yourself a linebacker or another safety, or maybe both in free agency, and draft another inside linebacker. So you're going to have to go in that direction. you got to add depth. Um, and, and I completely agree with all that assessment uh, when you start to look at all the snaps and such. And uh, there's going to be a little bit of change, but I don't think it's going to be dramatic. I don't think it's going to be dramatic. So interesting stuff. Uh, we still got two hours yet to go. We got a lot more yet to go, as a matter of fact. Stay right where you're at. Don't go anywhere. We got a lot more of the Bill Michaels Show. Two more hours. Two more hours on a Thursday. I'm loving it. We'll be back right after this.